0: Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You're about to listen to another crowd presentation brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com. And mention the podcast for 10% off of your order.
1: Aye, 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 It's the Ranger Command Power Hour! Today on the Power Hour, episode 99 rangers sag meltdown record on august 7th 2017 welcome to the ranger command power hour on the four-eyed radio network send a ranger up with your host i'm eric also known as trekkie d47
0: and i'm zach also known as hollywood
1: today's episode is brought to you by audible.com get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial At audibletrial.com slash rangercommandph, there are over 150,000 tiles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Hey, Zach.
0: Hey, how's it going?
1: Pretty good. It's been a crazy weekend, and we'll get to that because that will be our main topic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and we've got a lot to say, so let's dive in right into the news. First off, we have a couple more Ninja Steel upcoming episode titles and descriptions. This time, they are from Ranger Board. Episode 13 is called Ace and the Race. Calvin finds himself increasingly distracted from his friends and Power Ranger duties when he spends all his time trying to impress his local hero. And episode 14... The Royal Arrival: A mysterious princess and her royal guard arrive on Earth to challenge the Rangers.
0: Interesting stuff. Yeah, a lot of people think that this is when they're going to adapt. She was Kiboni Genghis's wife in the Sentai, mm-hmm. and so they're thinking, "Oh, that—that's probably when she's going to come into play." Interesting. Well,
1: they're doing the same alliteration thing that we talked about on last week's show. Hopefully the plot matches the cleverness of the titles, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Next up, Power Rangers movie closes its theatrical run at $142 million. So it ran a few weeks in Japan, and that's all she wrote for the theatrical run. Box office mojo, it's right now sitting at $142 million. This does not count the home media sales, and I'm sh- pretty sure we'll find out those details within the next couple of months.
0: Oh, yeah. I imagine it's, it's a decent number for home video sales because I know that first week people were talking about buying multiple copies and stores were, you know, very low on stock. Yeah, well,
1: it was on top of the home media sales for two weeks in a row, so hopefully it Sold really well.
0: (laughs) Uh, Right, we need that sequel. We really, like, even Entertainment Weekly, in their Comic-Con issue last month or whatever, said, hey, we want a sequel already.
1: Yeah, I mean, people are clamoring for it. Obviously, it was really good. I went to see my parents this past weekend, and my mom and brother apparently saw it when it was still in theaters, and... I guess never mentioned it to me, <laughs> but uh, they both really liked it. My dad hadn't seen it yet, but we're going to watch that soon with him. Hey, if my mom and brother like it and we're entertained by it, I think that's doing pretty good. That's a good barometer.
0: <laughs> yeah, I went three times, and one of the times was with my friends who are not hardcore Power Rangers fans, and they, they liked it. They're like, yeah, that was a good movie. I would I would like to see more of this.
1: Yeah, I'd love to see it too. And I was able to actually take a look at the bonus features this past weekend. Teresa and I were at my parents. We all sat down and watched the bonus features, which I've had the Blu-ray for over a month now. And just because of the move and everything, I haven't been able to watch it. So finally getting to watch these bonus features... I was really glad they packed the amount of bonus features that they did in there. And I think we watched it for a good solid two hours and we still weren't done with, all the features that they had on there. So good job Lionsgate for giving us all this behind the scenes material, because if this is all we get, I'm glad we at least got to see a look into the process of this whole movie.
0: Yeah. I like the bonus features a lot. I really enjoyed the whole insight into like how the suits were made and how the the set design and stuff came about. I still haven't listened to the movie commentary yet. I think that's next on my to-do list because uh, I am a sucker for commentaries. My only gripe is that there wasn't a cast commentary. I would have mm-hmm. loved, 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 loved to hear this cast talk about making this movie. But oh well. I mean, we get a we get a director commentary, and I think it's the writer or somebody is one of the other commentary. Yeah, they'll give good insight too. They'll just give a different perspective from what the actors know. So.
1: Right, and then we'll probably do our own commentary on the movie pretty soon, maybe next month or so, so everyone can look out for that and relive the Power Rangers movie with us. Yes. Well, speaking of even more DVD stuff, now Lionsgate is releasing double-season DVD collections for Samurai and Super Samurai, Megaforce and Super Megaforce, Dino Charge and Dino Super Charge. Their respective seasons will all be together. This is releasing on a wide release on October 10th, but people are already finding it right now at retailers like FYE. And this was originally reported by TV shows on DVD.com. There's nothing really new here except for the packaging art. It's going to be the same DVDs from the previous sets packaged together. And each one of these retails for like 24 95 So you can get pretty much the same thing that you would if you bought the individual seasons that just came out like a few months ago, which personally I think have the better artwork. So it depends on your preference. But if you already have these seasons on DVD, I wouldn't even worry about getting these. Don't even it's, waste your money.
0: Yeah, for me, uh, I still need Super Mega Force and I need all of Dino Charge, and then I have the complete series of Power Rangers. So I don't think I would get this double season disc. I would just get the regular season of Super Mega Force, but I would get the double disc of Dino Charge just because that way I have it all in one go. Oh,
1: for sure. Next up, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Racing Cars Formula Drift video has been released. This is called Power Rangers Cosmic Drift and it features Formula Drift professional drivers Matt Field and Chelsea Denofa as members of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Cosmic Drift team. Power Rangers Cosmic Drift merges the worlds of Saban Power Rangers and automobile drifting. It's a celebration of their shared origins and spirit, born in Japan and loved by the U.S. and globally. The two share themes of unity and synchronization. So... Yeah, I watched a little bit of this video. I wasn't able to watch the whole thing. And it's it's MMPR suits, and I'm like, man, this would have been a perfect time to do some shift into Turbo.
0: Right? Like, I was just thinking, like, man, Turbo, it's it's handed to you on a silver platter. It's a it's a Power Rangers team about cars, and you're making a car video. <laughs> but the MMPR nostalgia is too strong, unfortunately. It's way too strong. It's, and it's... out of control. <laughs> So that's the news for this week. <laughs> so I just I just realized the perfect joke. Well, if it's out of control, it's in control, which is the drifting thing, right? If You're not. If I don't know I, that joke, that joke got away from me. But uh, it, it did. It, it was there. For, <laughs> it was there, and I lost it. And let's just move on because I'm an idiot. <laughs>
1: All right. So this is the big thing that happened this past weekend and i feel it's something that we need to address and talk about on the show because it's not often we get such candid insight from the cast and crew so friday night i was driving all night to my parents in michigan uh me and Teresa were on the road and we got in at like i think 2 a.m eastern time Uh, was when we finally pulled in, Mm -hmm. and we just hit the sack. Well, I don't just fall asleep, you know, I gotta catch up on Twitter, see
0: what I missed. Yeah, I do the same thing.
1: And what did I see but Michael Tabor tweeting some crazy stuff on a Friday night. So, his first tweet, this was uh, August 4th at 11.53pm, quote, Breaking! Power Rangers is the biggest regret of my life. Go to Sack Anime if you want to hear why. This message will self-destruct when I'm sober. And then he posted, not under contract, so ask away. And the only question he responded to when asked if going to PMC next year, he said, boy, am I? You want unfiltered access? I'll give it to you. And then, sure enough, the next morning, it was all gone. Yeah, but he, not he bef- woke up and <laughs> deleted everything. But not before it raging through the
0: fandom. And see, that's the problem with the internet. It exists forever. Once you post it, it exists forever. I've got screenshots. <laughs> yep, exactly. Anytime I've had a personal freakout, I have tried my. D- to keep it away from the internet because i know someone will screen cap it or something and it'll just be out there in the ether and it's it's not a good thing to have happen
1: well i kind of did this whole tweet storm about it and first off you don't put your phone away if you're drinking or get drunk yeah like don't don't drink and drive don't text and drink, don't tweet and drink yeah. because you get in trouble for this crap. And the entire Dino Charge cast is in attendance at Sack Anime, which is September 1st through 3rd. That's that uh, Labor Day weekend. And they've got the main 6 plus Claire Blackwelder. So you got 7 Rangers there. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, oh, yeah, if you want to hear why, go to this. Go to Anime." I wonder if he's going to create some major drama at this convention.
0: God, I hope not, just because he seems like a nice guy. We've seen green actors. What is it with, with, like I said, Neo Saban green rangers going haywire at conventions? Yeah, we...
1: We won't mention what happened with Hector David Jr from PMC 2014. If you know the story, you know the story, but yeah. I'm not but I, I'm not going to spread that around. It's a shame that these guys have these little freakouts,
0: but honestly, if you're a fan and you're going to that convention Just try to be as respectful as possible. Don't dig into it, because if he keeps true to his word, because, mind you, he was drunk when he made these claims. If he stays true to his word and and comes out of that convention and says, this is what I didn't like, this is why why I hated it, this is why I regret it, whatever, blah, 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 then fine, whatever, he can air his grievances and deal with the consequences. But if he goes there and doesn't say a word, don't provoke it. Don't prod. That's the last thing you want to do is prod.
1: I am... Kind of curious as to why this came out, though, because saying Power Rangers is the biggest regret of your life, to me, it's like, man, that was your first big acting gig for a major show. And I get it. Saban Entertainment, they're not known for great conditions and and the non-union work. And we're going to get all into this because... I was just doing some digging and came across other things that happened throughout the history of Power Rangers when dealing with Union stuff. And it's not a good history for the brand in regards to Union versus non-Union. And there's been actors in the past that have come out against uh, Saban Entertainment and have gone on the record as to why the working conditions weren't the best. And it's just shocking to see this, at least for me, from Michael, because it seemed like everything was going well. It seemed like the cast really gelled on screen. You know, the stories might not have been the best in Supercharge from our perspective, but it seemed like the whole cast got along great. And maybe that was just a front
0: by Michael. I I don't know. What do you think? I agree with you. It does seem like the cast had good chemistry. It seemed like, you know, everything was fine behind the scenes. But granted, even the behind the scenes that we get, quote unquote, isn't the true behind the scenes. We're getting, like, the best of the behind the scenes. And we're Um, getting
1: the scripted responses that they do on their YouTube videos and and all that stuff.
0: For all we know, there was a lot of work drama going on. And when you do non-union work like that, these things can come up and it it, it all depends on you know the production company and granted we know that saban has a history in the past of having contentious issues with their performers and it's tough because you look at these things as an opportunity yeah this is a major role hey this is a a kids show a long-running kids show this is a big role this is a big deal but unless you can keep steady work after it, I can see where you suddenly start regretting the, oh, I should have never done this and blah, blah, right. or whatever.
1: When the drama happened at PMC with Hector David Jr., there was one point, I think he was running down the halls saying, F suban brand. So there's something, I think, going on behind the scenes, whether it's either bad working conditions or maybe they're stuck in these contracts One thing that I heard, and I don't know if it's true or not, but I've heard before that Alex Hartman was still contracted even up to two years after Samurai ended. And that's why he was doing some guest hosting for Paramorphicon in 2014 when he hosted that Make-A-Wish thing. So, the big problem with this is, just for speculating, is we are not privy to what is in these contracts. And the most the fandom can do is just guess as to what happens. And that's why we get rumors that start spreading and this negative connotation about the brand. But what I'm saying is, is that if it's not an isolated incident, there has to be some truth to all of this and i think something is going on behind the scenes whether it's union versus non-union whether it's something with these contracts maybe they're not getting paid enough for what they're doing and if this company is profiting off their licensing and they're not seeing a cut of that i mean yeah i i could resent that too
0: mm-hmm it's like you said the only thing we can do is speculate until either Michael himself comes out and says, "Hey, here's what happened and here's why I'm upset," or he might never do that and then this whole thing gets swept under a rug and we're just left to be speculating forever. Right. It's rough. The world of of entertainment and the world of of, you know, acting for a living and doing this kind of thing is very tricky in terms of contract work non-contract work the dealing with the unions not dealing with the unions it's a lot more complicated i think than, than people realize for sure
1: another thing that I, I noted when that whole tweet stuff was going down he even retweeted a gif that christy who plays ninja steel pink
0: christiane yeah
1: yeah christiane she did one of those michael jackson eating popcorn and thriller gifs Uh And he retweeted that, like, watching the drama like this. So part of me is like, well, we know something gone down in Ninja Steel because of the whole Chance Simpson thing, you know, with the Yellow Ranger being changed out. Uh There's something going on. And the fact that Michael said that he's not under contract, and that's interesting, too, because now that kind of confirms that... You know they really don't have a two-year contract. After the fact that they can't talk about things, yeah. So, and it may be a year, maybe shorter. And even before that, there was one tweet before that that was like <laughs> New York, <laughs> and he deleted that one too. So we have one of our listeners, Common Ranger Bat. He asked, "So do you think that Tabor reacted the way he did because he was turned down by a girl due to him being a Power Ranger?"
0: I would hope it's not as something as trivial as that. Right. Um, granted, I know that people don't think, you know, being turned by a girl is a trivial matter. It's a trivial matter, let's face it. I would hope that Michael has a stronger character than that. I would hope that he actually genuinely has regrets because of the business side of things. But also, I feel empathy that he has to deal with these feelings. I'm hoping that it's a serious matter. I'm not glad that he has to deal with it. That's what
1: I'm trying to say. Right. I see where you're coming from. If he was drunk, frustrated, you know, he got turned down by a girl, and then whether or not it was because of he was an actor in Power Rangers, you hope that he's mature enough to, like, compartmentalize that and say, look, you know, it is what it is. But at the same time, if there was legitimate business stuff that was going down that he was unhappy of, maybe Mm -hmm. that was just an excuse for him to vent. And he even admitted, he admitted in his tweet, I'm going to delete this message
0: when I'm sober. Yeah. Even some small part of his drunk mind had the foresight to be like, listen, what I'm saying is probably pretty bad, so enjoy it while it lasts because I'm going to delete it. But again, that brings me back to my earlier point of even if you delete it. Guess what? It's not deleted. It sticks around on the internet forever.
1: I don't know how many kids are on Twitter, if they even use it or pay attention to this, but my point is when you're throwing around words like, and even one tweet that he didn't delete, which was still up, he used the word retard, which that's politically incorrect and not a very good thing to say. And we have to separate the actor from
0: the character. Yeah. Absolutely. A lot of times when fans meet an actor, they have a certain expectation of, oh, I'm going to meet, you know, so-and-so who played this character. I'm expecting to meet this character. You cannot go into that meeting expecting that. Prime example of that was, I'm like a fan of wrestling. Sure. Went to a local show where Mick Foley, aka Mankind, huge wrestling star, lots of people know him. He was there doing a signing and, and a meet and greet at this local indie house show here in, in Illinois. And I had this whole expectation of like, man, Mick Foley, he's always seeming like such a nice guy and so cool. And like, I bet he's going to be great to talk to. And just when we were there, he was very just, I wouldn't say rude, but I would say he was just curt. He was just like, hi, thanks for coming. Okay, thank you. And he would just sign yeah. things. And it soured me a little. Because I don't know if it was just he his experience as at that promotion wasn't going well, or if he was just having an off day or whatever. But I was hoping for this, you know, extravagantly nice and and fun and cool personality, and he was just very straight to the point, just like, "Hi, thanks for coming. Okay, next person."
1: Yeah, I have a similar experience. So of course, everyone knows the other big favorite fandoms is Star Trek. The first time I saw William Shatner in person uh, was at a panel. It was a panel that he was a part of. And, you know, I thought he was funny. But at the same time, it started to be about all of his current projects at the time and not about Star Trek. And I'm like, dude, you're kind of at a Star Trek convention. Like, I want to hear about Captain Kirk and the original days and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So later on in the convention, this was at a Wizard World. I had... Got the ultimate VIP whatever package. It was the first time and last time I ever did something like that for a convention, specifically for one actor. Uh And that was meeting Scott Bakula, who played, obviously, Sam Beckett in Quantum Leap. And he played Jonathan Archer in Star Trek Enterprise. And I always really liked him as an actor. So I doubled down and got his full package, the whole experience and getting a photo op and this and that. Well, his line was next to William Shatner's booth area. Mm -hmm. And clearly it's freaking William Shatner. Like his line was just insane. But since we were next to each other in lines, you know, I got to see how he treated some fans and It was really just like, okay, I'm looking down. What am I signing? Okay, bye. And there was like no interaction. Just kind of like push them off and on your way. Mm -hmm. And I thought, geez, what a jerk. (laughs) And I mean, obviously I've gone back on that because he's not the youngest captain (laughs) in the starship anymore. And I get it. You've got a long line. You want to get through people. But At the same time, it kind of put me off, and it was just like, you know what? He's an actor. Captain Kirk is Captain Kirk. This is William Shatner. He's got a lot of people to get through for this autographing. He's probably way tired. I get it.
0: Yeah. We have had experiences at cons, for example, uh, when we went to LexCon, we had a great time meeting some of the, of the celebrities there. We got to sit and chat and talk for a while. And then other times it was just like, oh, hey, how's it going? Okay, see you later. Bye. And you understand to some degree because, yes, there are those actors who have huge lines and they have to get through hundreds if not thousands of people a day. And it just – it can be very exhausting. Mm. And, and sometimes we catch these celebrities not at the height of their game, so to speak. It behooves people to try and make that distinction between character and actor and, right. and lower their expectations a little bit. I think if you go into something with lowered expectations and something good happens, then, hey, great, that that is even better. If you go into something with lowered expectations and the expectations are met or not met at that lowered level, then you're not as disappointed. Sure.
1: My thing regarding Michael Tabor is he hasn't really done conventions and I think SAC anime aside from PMC at the last PMC, that was their own panel yeah. and you know, they were signing for fans and all that stuff afterwards. And, I didn't get to meet him, but that was really their first convention. Granted, it was under the guise of Saban Brands, and they were walking around, and they had their own people, and that kind of a thing. But I don't think he's done a just standalone convention away from that. And for this to come out, you know, a month before that appearance, and the fact that he even name-dropped it, like, oh yeah, you want to know everything? Go for it. It's frustrating, but I can see where he's coming from, especially if something went down in the show that we're not privy to.
0: This uh, upcoming appearance at SAC Anime, you know, like I said, either he is going to just spill the beans and say everything he has problems with and just vent in a very public space, which, granted, isn't the best idea, but if you have to vent, I mean, you have to vent. Or he's just going to try and play it as subtly as possible and be vague with his answers Yep. And again, if if that happens, don't poke and prod. If you're going to this convention, don't sit there and, and try to twist the answers out of him because it's not going to end well.
1: No. So what I want to get to was, obviously, if it is a big regret in his life, that means there's something going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And in my research, it, it kind of sparked this conversation because I didn't want to just talk about Michael Tabor. Because it's not all about him. It's about this dialogue opening up to a much larger issue, I think, with the franchise as a whole. Mm-hmm. So, before we get into specific examples from all these other seasons, people might be confused as to what SAG is. And that is the Screen Actors Guild. It is a union Is a union for actors, basically. Mm -hmm. And what a union does is in specialized industries, not just acting, but there's, you know, metal workers unions and welders unions and all these different unions. And what a union does is you have the power to band together with an official group that represents your industry so that you can make changes and set standards that employers have to adhere to. Mm -hmm. That's what a union is. And you have the ability to strike and go on strike if you're not happy with the conditions or pay at your workplace. So, as part of a union, especially for SAG, uh, the Screen Actors Guild, they get special benefits and privileges SAG contracts with producers contain a variety of protections for guild performers. Among these provisions are minimum rates of pay, adequate working conditions, special protection and education requirements for minors, arbitration of disputes and grievances, and affirmative action in auditions and hiring. So this is all very good things that help protect actors from bad working conditions.
0: Yeah. Now, I wanted
1: to ask you, Zach, because you're the closest <laughs> actor that I know right
0: now. Fair I mean ass. I mean, when you were a child actor, but um, yeah, and I mean, I am a lapsed member, but I am still a member of SAG. So what that means for me is that if I did decide to want to get back into acting, which believe me, I do, I would have these protections. I would be able to audition for union roles, and union roles are, generally speaking, always better than non-union roles. Correct. Um Non-union roles, you could get a big show like Power Rangers. You could get a movie, an independent movie, something like that. But generally speaking, uh, it is a very union industry. You you must be in the union to get certain roles. Right. And when I got the role in Parenthood when I was a kid, it was a union role. So the first thing they did was said, "Okay, here you go. You are now a part of the Screen Actors Guild." And with that came so many benefits and protections and perks and things like that. I have a right to residuals anytime that they... Sell uh, Well, not so much sell the movie anymore, but anytime they show the movie on air, on TV, on cable, anytime somebody digitally watches the movie on an on-demand service, I still get residuals for my role. And it's because I was a member of the union. With non-union roles, you're not always guaranteed stuff like residuals or likeness rights and stuff like that. But yeah, so I looked into it, and because I'm a lapsed member, I can always go back. I could always become a full-fledged member. Sure. again the only problem is i would have to pay my back owed fees my back owed dues when you're in a union you pay dues and, and i think it's like what $3000 now it's i think it's probably more than that cuz it was 3000 back in like 2008 so it's probably way more by now
1: um, so you would have to pay for all the years that you weren't exactly
0: all right which could and, be and, tens of thousands of dollars at this point i really don't know being with the union is A very important thing because, like I said, of those privileges, of those standardizations in terms of pay and work conditions. Mm -hmm. When you're paying dues, you're paying for those things. Right. You're paying Um, for the protection. Exactly. It sounds like organized crime. (laughs) Yeah, you got to pay for protection. But no, it's true. Every union does it. Every union has dues. My mother who works for the airline, she's in a union. She has to pay dues. It's just a fact of life. You you pay these dues to be in this union, and this union will always have your back with matters related to your work.
1: Yeah, they'll always fight for you. Mm -hmm. A couple more things in addition to SAG. Like you mentioned, standardized pay and work conditions. All members of the guild agree to work only for producers who have signed contracts with the Screen Actors Guild. These contracts spell out in detail the responsibilities that producers must assume when hiring SAG performers. Number of hours performers may work, frequency of meal breaks required, minimum wages or scale at which performers must be compensated for their work, overtime pay, travel accommodations, wardrobe allowances, stunt pay, private dressing
0: rooms, and adequate rest periods between performances. Yeah, these are all very important. And speaking again from personal experience with the work I did on Parenthood, I was only allowed to work a certain number of hours per day because I was a child. Yes. If you have a child actor, the union states, depending on age, it's a sliding scale of age. Okay, so you're three years old and you're filming this movie. You can only film a maximum of like three hours a day or sure. four hours a day or whatever it is. So I don't want to say it becomes an issue, but producers on SAG union projects, do have to take into consideration, okay, we hired this child actor. We only have them for so many hours a day. We need to film their scenes quickly. Let's get things... And you have to move faster because of that. And then also, if the child actors you hire are of school-going age, you have to then plan ahead to say, okay, well, we're going to need a school trailer with a teacher so that these kids can still have school. And I have a very vivid memory of when we filmed the Parenthood TV series at CBS Radford Studios in Burbank, that there was a trailer on the studio lot for schooling. And my co-stars who were of school age at the time, I still was not, I was only four years old. They had to be in that trailer for, I think they had schooling for like, three to four hours a day or something like that. I'm fuzzy on the details, but like they still had to go to school, but then after school or before school, depending on how the filming schedule looked, they would then be on set to film their scenes.
1: Yeah. So a couple more things. There's health plans, there's pensions, Obviously, dental, vision, life, disability, coverage, everything you expect in a normal job. And what you talked about before, residuals, and this is important to the discussion we'll get to in a bit. Guild secured residual payments in perpetuity to its members for broadcast and rebroadcast of films, TV shows, and TV commercials through clauses in the basic SAG agreements With producers. So every time they play something, they add it all up, Mm -hmm. and then you get a check. Yep.
0: And I still, to this day, and that's what it means when it says in perpetuity. That means until you, I think even past the point of your own death. Like, I think if I die, my residuals can still come to my children if I have children or my next of kin or whatever. But granted, those residuals tend to diminish over time
1: obviously as the movie
0: or tv show or whatever falls right. out of broadcast so like for me who was only in one project granted parenthood still gets shown fairly frequently but not nearly as much as it did in the early 90s so my residual checks are you know anywhere from 250 to 400 600 the biggest one i've gotten recently was like a couple years ago i got one that was like 700 dollars, and it was insane so you you get these residual checks and and again if you only work on one sag project then it's not that impressive however if you do multiple projects you look at somebody like steve martin or johnny depp or somebody who's been in a ton of projects they are getting residual checks left and right that are like oh you know here's Couple hundred from doing this movie I did in the 80s. Oh, here's one from the Pirates of the Caribbean. That residual check is probably in the thousands because USA plays the Pirates movies every other weekend or whatever. (laughs) Um, exactly so again depending on the projects you take and depending on their popularity your residuals can be way more than you know someone like me who's only done one project in his whole life
1: i'm sure people can live off their residuals if they oh yeah um, yeah
0: if a huge celebrity like let's say johnny depp decided tomorrow he's like you know what i'm done i don't want to act anymore he can still live comfortably for the rest of his life riding on residuals jewels sure. and, and sometimes you have actors that do that actors who say you know what I went out of the spotlight. I'm done for a little while. I'm going to go retire somewhere. I've always wanted to teach. I'll go teach acting somewhere. And those actors can still live off of their residual checks because they were in a ton of projects in film or in TV.
1: Yeah, I think a good example of that is like Rick Moranis. After
0: some point in the 90s, he was done with acting. His story is a little sad. Unfortunately, his wife passed away to Uh. cancer when his children were young. And he decided, you know what? My kids are going to grow up without their mother. I don't want them to grow up without their father because I don't want to be on a film set all day, every day for months at a time. So I'm bowing out of show business. I am going to raise my kids. And he did just that. He completely left the industry. It's weird talking about it because he's someone I worked with. But he was always so nice on set And to to have that kind of tragedy happen. Mm -hmm. It is a shame. But the fact that he was able to say, "Okay, you know what? I'm done acting. And again, residuals from Films like Parenthood, like Spaceballs, like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, he was in so many classic films of the 80s that all through the 90s, he didn't have to work at all. It's great. And again, different contracts have different agreements. So for example, with someone like Rick Moranis, he might have something in his contract that says like, I also want 2% or whatever cut of any time a physical sale of my movie is made. Right. So if I if I go out and buy Spaceballs right now on Blu-ray, he could get an extra couple of bucks in his next residual check.
1: So one last thing regarding SAG is what's called Global Rule 1. And that basically states that no member shall work as a performer or make an agreement to work as a performer for any producer who has not executed a basic minimum agreement with the guild which is in full force and effect. So basically, no SAG member can perform in a non-union project that are within SAG's jurisdiction once they become members of the guild. And yeah, since that's... 2002, they've tried to pursue a policy that goes into effect worldwide.
0: Yeah, you can get into huge trouble if it's discovered that you do a non-union job as a union member and it's really not anything to mess around with because sag will come back and they will revoke your status they will say you decided to do that okay you're banned from the guild or you're whatever it's troubling however it's also understandable because they want to make sure their are covered what happens? So basically, you can get ejected from the guild. Hmm. There are harsh penalties. And it's understandable that if you're a union actor and you go to a non-union project and something happens to you, if you get injured, SAG has to cover it. Yeah, they're liable for it. Yeah, exactly. So there's real, real penalties. Back when I used to do my cinema slob shtick, I was in contact with a voice actress, a very famous voice actress. Sure. To, to do a cameo for me. We had met on Twitter, we had talked on Twitter, and I was reviewing something, and I said, Oh my God, it would be so amazing if I could get this person, who was in the source material of this, to do a cameo for me. And one of my first things, I asked her, I said, Is this going to be a problem? Because, you know, I know you're a SAG-AFTRA. AFTRA, by the way, is the Academy of Film Television Recording Artists. That's... Yes. And uh, they, they merged. They did merge. Uh, they used to be two separate entities. It used to be SAG was for film and AFTRA was for television and music and whatever else. But it's all just one big thing now. Yeah. And so I had messaged this actress and I said, is this going to be a problem because this is an independent internet production and you are a SAG union member? And she told me, don't worry about it. <laughs> in the end, it didn't happen anyway, so it's OK. But yeah, I'm getting in real trouble. So it's like yeah. you don't want to turn your back on the union. So,
1: an example of that, though, is many people who do voices for anime dubs have worked for non-union productions, and they've used uh, pseudonyms. They've used fake names. Mm -hmm.
0: And that's a very common practice. Right.
1: So, before we get into how this has affected Power Rangers, for you, the listeners of Ranger Command Power Hour, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash rangercommandph. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash rangercommandph for your free audiobook. And currently what I am reading is the Expanse series of novels. And Sci-Fi Channel has done a TV show based off the books. They're currently filming the third season. But the books are amazing. Like, I got into the show first... I mm-hmm. ran out of stuff to watch, so I'm like, oh my god, I'm just going to read the books. Go back and, to source material, yeah. And the books are fantastic, and I'm sure the audiobooks are just as good. So definitely give Audible a try.
0: Yeah, I also have a recommendation. I recently finished, you know, the teaser trailer for Ready Player One came out recently. And I had heard of the book, but I didn't know anything about it. And I saw that trailer And the trailer intrigued me so much that I actually went on Audible and downloaded the audiobook as read by Will Wheaton. And it is such a great story. If you've never read Ready Player One and you're a fan of 80s pop culture, video games, sci-fi, treasure hunt kind of stories... This book is for you. I absolutely love the book, and I can't wait to see the movie.
1: Yeah, actually, I think I got a free copy of that in one of the loot crates when I was originally subscribed to it. So I have an actual physical copy of it. I just haven't read it yet.
0: Oh, I recommend it wholeheartedly, man. You should definitely read it when you get the chance.
1: All right, I will do just that. So, getting back to our SAG discussion, we're going to talk about how this has affected Power Rangers over the years. Michael Tabor is not the first Power Rangers actor to be unhappy or regret working on the show. The first major and most public example that we all know is when Austin St. John, Walter Jones, and Twee Trang were the first to try and unionize for better contracts, which eventually led to them getting replaced in the show. There was one article from the Huffington Post which kind of did this where are they now type of interview and Walter Jones actually commented by saying, quote, right before the film they decided that we would receive contracts. They were not great contracts. They were all non-union and for a number of films and another of 40 episodes they just weren't suitable. I figured after two seasons we deserved to be a union show, and the conversation basically went that we should all get together and talk to representation and have someone represent us for these contracts as a group, and that didn't work out. So the three of us ended up negotiating, and three of us stayed. And eventually what happened is that we just were negotiated out of contracts and moved on. We're going to have all these links to these articles in our show notes on our site. But yeah, that I think is the most public example that most of the fandom knows about. Yeah, And it was very obvious when you go back and watch that chunk of episodes. They're in the background. Tommy, Billy and Kimberly get separated a lot. So they're the focus, not the others. And there's background extras that really don't look like them. And you can totally tell when this was all going down. Oh yeah. In doing my research I actually came across an LA Times article written by Marla Matzer. And this was from January 31st, 1998 which said SAG orders its members not to work for Saban shows. In an unusually strong action by the Screen Actors Guild, the union has declared television producer Saban Entertainment unfair to performers and charged the company with economic exploitation of children. In a letter sent to SAG members, the guild ordered its members not to work for any of the company's shows until it signs an overall agreement with the union. Saban responded with a statement calling SAG's charges categorically untrue. At the time, Saban President Mel Wood said the company has to make shows non-union because of the, quote, economics of the kids' TV business. The article goes on to say, In an industry where most people are out of work at any given time, many actors work for Saban and other non-union producers under different names, And SAG is not generally aggressive in pursuing these cases. But in Saban Chairman Haim Saban's case, SAG President Richard Mazur said the Guild felt that he could no longer claim a financial need to remain non-union. So Saban spokesman Barry Stagg said to production on all Saban shows was continuing normally. He said there's been no communication between Saban and SAG since June 97 when negotiations broke down over terms one SAG member who has worked on non-union shows for Saban worried that Saban may respond by sending more work to its shows in Canada which is funny because as we all know a few years later the production moved to New Zealand
0: yeah where they don't
1: have a union well I think there's unions down in New Zealand But it's nothing like SAG. And then continuing, uh, there was an actual interview from Robert Axelrod, uh, which was originally published on Kaiju Fan Online in 2005. And they asked, what was it like being involved with the movie? How was it different from working on the TV series? And he responded, quote, I don't remember who wrote the script. Fox hired some dingy broad named Susan to produce the thing. And let me tell you, she was a great a bastard. Her whole scene was to save Fox a nickel here, a dime there. American kids were supporting this show, yet she brought the production to Australia to shoot. When it came to doing the voices, the work was to be done here in L.A. She wanted to replace us with cheaper talent. Friends of mine actually auditioned for Lord Z. It was only via the intervention of Chaim Saban that we were finally hired. We had to work non-union. It was not pleasant. Even the work was unpleasant, as I recall. Though we made decent money, I felt we were still dreadfully underpaid because there was no residuals involved. And that was a thing. That was something that affected a lot of the original actors from Mighty Morphin because they don't have residuals. Mm-hmm. And look how many times Mighty Morphin has been played over the years. And they're not receiving any residuals for any of that like that's crazy and then this was another article that i found and i was very intrigued to find this piece this was from 1998 so this was when in space was going on so Mm -hmm. roger velasco who played carlos was docked a thousand dollars in bonus pay for showing up late to a recording session. This article was from 1998 in February, and it said that he showed up 45 minutes late for a looping session and an infraction of Saban rules that cost the teenager $1,000 in bonus compensation or more than his take-home pay for shooting an entire episode of the non-union kids TV show. The article goes to say Saban's contract with the show performers provides that in addition to their salaries, which are far below the union scale, actors receive $200 per episode in the form of a bonus for quote-unquote good behavior. When an actor is late or commits some other minor infraction, the company deducts the penalty from the actor's bonus pay. And Backstage West, who originally did this article, they said this practice will probably come to an end when Saban finalizes an agreement with the Screen Actors Guild covering live-action children's shows, the one area still subject to negotiation after Saban agreed in February of 98 to sign SAG's basic contract. So up until In Space, the show was non-union, And they did this Screen Actors Guild, and until Wild Force, the show was Union. Mm -hmm. SAG declined to comment, although a SAG source said that it's certainly not surprising to hear this sort of practice occurring in a non-Union environment. One would assume that this sort of practice will no longer be possible once their live-action children's programming is covered by a SAG Deal The practice of hitting actors with heavy penalties for being late to work, which is virtually unheard of anywhere else in the industry, was detailed in a sternly worded letter to Velasco from a high-level Saban business and legal affairs executive. Quote, arriving late for your ADR looping session is a violation of your contract, the Saban executive told Velasco in a March 26th letter. You have been advised previously, we consider this to be a serious breach of your contract and unacceptable conduct, which we cannot reward with bonus compensation. Sources say that several other young performers were similarly penalized in the show's producers for minor infractions over the past year. Christopher Kamen Lee, the show's Red Ranger and lead actor, was was penalized $400 for being an hour late to the set. I'm very angry, said Lee's manager, Sharon Lane. It's like they are children who are having their allowances taken away, but they need this money to live. Christopher relocated to Los Angeles for this job, and he supports himself. When they docked his money, he had to cut expenses. As for the penalties, Lane said, they have the right contractually to do this, But we didn't think they would go to these extremes when we signed the contract. Saban officials insist that these penalties are not fines, a distinction without much of a difference to the young performers. I can unequivocally say we've never fined an actor for anything, the Saban spokesman Barry Stagg said. We are not fining our actors and we have never done so. But Stagg said that the letter acknowledges that high professional standards are met. And in this case, because they were not, the bonus compensation was not rewarded. So the way this is set up is to reward bonus compensation when the highest professional standards are achieved. In this case, holding up an entire group of professionals and studio equipment resulted in a significant waste of dollars for the company. And that kind of unprofessionalism will not be rewarded. And then, as we talked about earlier, that's when SAG sent the letter to its members to not work for Saban shows. Yeah. And six days later, after that letter was sent, Saban agreed to sign SAG's contract, but only after SAG apologized for accusing the company of exploiting children.
0: <sighs> It's a real sticky mess when you get into this kind of stuff. You can see how, if you're an actor doing this kind of thing, it can be a regret. So mm-hmm. if that is what happened in the case of Michael Tabor, then it's understandable. Our, sympath- our sympathies are with him, absolutely. But it's rough, man. Because at the same time, you also have to understand that if you're signing into these agreements with a company like Saban, that because it's a contract, they have every right to do these things, even if their crappy practices let's be honest yes we love power rangers and yes we try to support saban however we're also going to be honest with you we're not going to kiss if these practices are still in operation that's really shady we hope they aren't but you know we can only speculate right it just
1: seems that there's a lot going on recently with saban brands when they retook over power rangers and Just the production of the show. It's like, we've noticed the dip in quality when it comes to uh, the writing. Obviously, we complain about it all the time. But also, in Dino Supercharge, there were a lot of editing mistakes. Like, the crap where there was two codas and the morphing sequence. Uh um, All the reuse of uh, music and all that stuff. And my thing with that is, is that if this were a union show, there would be standards that maybe people would be happier with their jobs and do them better because they're getting decent pay and standard pay and it's a standard practice. But without that, I can see why the quality would slip. If people are not happy with their jobs, they'll either leave or not do the job and just go home and collect a paycheck at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. A couple more notes just in Power Rangers shows, and then we'll move on. Another pretty famous incident happened with Power Rangers Lost Galaxy. When Patricia Lee, she was supposed to take the role of the Pink Ranger due to Valerie Vernon's fight with leukemia. And they filmed this whole handoff. She was going to be the next Pink Ranger. But due to the uncertainty of Vernon's cancer fight at the time, she later won. That's why she had a resurrection in the finale. The crew was unable to drop Vernon from her spot in the opening in order to pay Lee the same rate and benefits since PR was SAG Union at the time, instead of sticking her in the back end of the credits for much less. Patricia Jolly quit necessitating a reshoot of the ending using stuntmen for stand-ins and Melody Perkins, who played astronomer and Corona was hired to replace Patricia Jolly. Mm. Another more recent example was power Rangers, super mega force where Aaron Cahill who played Jen and time force. She genuinely wanted to return to the show and the team up, but couldn't, because she is now a SAG member, and the show is non-union, which would prevent her from working on the show. hmm And then I wanted to point out something that a former actor for uh, Saban Entertainment, and now he's an entertainment writer, Aaron Pruner, he played Percy in VR Troopers... And he wrote an article for Screener TV, and we'll have the link to that. But there's a point in his article where he notes the evolution of the audition process from 94 to today. And he said in 1994, the whole audition process was a different beast than it is today. Sure, actors are still given sides or a portion of the script to study and perform, but the way actors' representation submits their talent to casting has changed completely. So back then, you had to have a hard copy headshot, a mailed-in or fact submission, that moment when casting calls you in, and then membership in the Screen Actors Guild, in parentheses, Maybe. And he said, this is how I got in the door to read for VR Troopers, maybe regarding SAG membership, because at the time, Power Rangers and its inevitable sister shows, master Rider, Big Bad Beetleborgs, etc., were all non-union. And he said, I wish I could say things are just as simplistic now, but the internet, social media, and union politics have made breaking into the business a whole different challenge altogether. Those changes have impacted the way the business works now. Hard copy headshots are a thing of the past. Actors must now have a website and social media presence, and all submissions are done electronically. Because casting no longer views hard copy headshot submissions, an actor's face is limited to a simple thumbnail on a computer screen, which obviously makes it a lot tougher to stand out. Saban shows being non-union meant not adhering to SAG rules, which meant paying his cast and crew on the cheap, which Saban did, and in turn led to a boycott by SAG, and ultimately, Power Rangers became a union series after 1998. This did not affect any of the VR Troopers cast, because it was a few years after their show had wrapped. So, mm-hmm. he was able to join a union, and to put things into perspective, in 1996, the fee to join the Screen Actors Guild was about $1,200. In 2017, that price is
0: $3,000. Yeah, that's joining as a new member. Right. Um, unfortunately, like I said, in my case, it would be whatever I owe back-o dues, which, yeah. good lord, I don't even want to think about. It. <laughs>
1: So, obviously, this has been a big issue in the history of Power Rangers. And what I want to say is I really hope that they're able to unionize and be able to spend the money to do that. Because I think all to avoid situations like this where the actors themselves become frustrated and, you know, once they're out of contract, they're free to say whatever they want. And I think stuff like that can really tarnish the brand. And at some point you have to consider what's good for the brand and how much are we willing to spend to protect our image. And some might say that it's already too late for Saban brands, that they've been doing this for years. This is the way they do it. It's working out for them. You know, They're still making millions of dollars on toys and DVDs and licensing and all of that. But I think just to help the quality of the show and to bring back past actors that are now union, because if the show was unionized now, these team-ups would not be a problem. You could have any every actor that you ever wanted back for the show, and it'd be great. And they could Mm -hmm. actually talk instead of one or two lines like, yeah, you guys are cool. It could be a much bigger thing. And just the fact with Aaron Cahill not being in Super Mega Force, having Jen in that team up would have been pretty huge if yeah. she was given some decent lines. That would have been great to see. So we're going to go to our Ranger Nation answers question where we asked, should Power Rangers production be unionized for actors and all of these came from twitter want to thank our twitter followers so much for participating in our discussion this week dare bear at derek b gale said a hundred percent yes i'll take a few less explosions and cheaper effects if it means the actors doing the work
0: will have better benefits and security edward sanchez at edward is the man says most definitely yes, because at the end of the day, without them there is no Power Rangers, which means the show would never exist. Solomon D
1: Aunt Sollyman underscore D said definitely, it really benefits the actors in so many ways. There really isn't a reason the series shouldn't be at this point.
0: Common Ranger Bat at WonderBat X five said absolutely, the only issue would be production costs going up but that makes our actors happier to support these shows in every way.
1: Juan Carlos Sanchez at Ranger 7 Orange said, yes, maybe acting would be better on the show and
0: maybe better income for the actors. Joshua Aaron Moore at Kentucky Jam said, yes, better for the show to treat its actors like true professionals than guns for hire.
1: Ken Glenn at the Ken Glenn responded to Kentucky Jam by saying, Going to agree with Kentucky Jam,
0: it would also leave it open for more to come back to the show who are unionized. And then Joshua Moore at Kentucky Jam replied to Ken saying, I had this thought too. Makes the brand more attractive slash legitimate to newcomers and old stars. Vince Areola at Bryce Packard said, It's
1: all on who works for the company. It seems that for some it's a nine to five.
0: You have to be passionate for a brand to make it work. Marcus Brown at Marcus UC26 said, I think it should be. A lot of former Rangers have talked about that issue, and it could lead to better team-ups if a union is added. John at the HLS John said, yes. At Sentai 5 said, definitely yes.
1: Toku Chris, our good buddy Chris from Toku Nation, said, the Power Rangers believe in respect unity, friendship, teamwork, and helping others, but not in actor protection via unions.
0: (laughs) Uh, DJ Monkey Ranger at Monkey Ranger said, I believe union rights may help to provide a better product, honestly. The problem is that I don't think Saban Brands is willing to foot the bill.
1: Shukin Shinobi, Brian, said, Yes, production costs be Actors come first. You wouldn't have issues like Hector or Michael if you actually
0: cared about your actors. Amen to that. Kevin Exnikios at JediMon2005 was replying to Brian at Shukin Shinobi, saying, Unions were first created because big, wealthy employers were treating their employees as borderline slave labor. Hearing what many of these actors describe as their working conditions and the way they're treated, this sounds exactly like that, which is a shame considering we're in the year 2017, not 1917. This is obscene. It's amazing you never really hear the Disney actors talking like this, just the Saban ones. Tommy Brevard Jr. at Kid Flash DBN said, Yes, it was Union ones. Jacob Harmon at Jake Harm says, My dad is a Union steward. He's built submarines for 47 years. The union has saved a lot of his friends. Same concept here, unionize. Blue 25
1: said, The issue with SAG is that it hurts both sides. SAG actors will have to pay more for their membership, and also production costs could rise. Not to mention the overtime pay would be crazy. I think... In the end, it's going to be worth it. If it makes the show better, if it makes them more accountable for what they're doing production-wise, I say you have to do it. Like If you want to be respected as a brand, if you want to be respected as a production company, do it. And they have recent experience with this because the Power Rangers movie, it's freaking Lionsgate. Of course they have to be SAG, and all the actors had
0: to be. As someone who is still kind of with the union, even though I'm not really, I support the union 100%, because without the union, actors can just be stomped on you can just walk all over your actors if you're not a union production and that's a shame really there was that recent controversy with uh video game actors with, yes. with voiceovers or video games and during that whole time i stood with the union saying you know what hey video games if you want to have these actors you need to make a deal with the union because their conditions are rough too people think oh you go in a a booth and you sit for a couple of hours but they don't think about things like voice strain mm-hmm. if you get sick and your voice is is wrecked for a couple of weeks it's it's hard so i was with the union on that i'm generally with the union on most things when it comes to actors because a unionized workforce is a good thing Not only for the protections, not only for the benefits, and not only for that sense of community, but also just to be not treated like slave labor. Like, gentleman 2005 was right in his point about, this is 2017, we need to be treating our employees better, no matter what profession they're in.
1: Definitely, because, you know, if someone is treated unfairly, they're going to be public about it, and they're going to say, hey, I was with this company, don't do it. Especially in this day
0: of social media, where you can reach millions of people in an instant. I know the old saying goes, there's no such thing as bad press. That may have been true back in the day when the facts were hard to get out. But nowadays, people can have instant access to all the facts, and there is such a thing as bad press, I'm sorry to say.
1: Yeah. I'm not someone who... I've never been SAG or anything like Zach has experienced, but I just want to say... I'm all for fair treatment of employees, uh, employees' rights, safe working conditions. I, I'm really all for that. The entertainment industry is exactly that. It's an industry. People are making money. They're making films for us to enjoy and consume. And, you know, stunt actors are putting their lives on the line. Actors are providing their humor, their personality to some amazing roles and even the people behind the scenes the visual effects artists the composers the production people anyone on set they are working day in and out for us to sit our butts on the couch and watch some great or not so great shows and i think that anyone involved in this industry should be treated fairly with respect So I'm with you, Zach. I fully support unionization and the Screen Actors Guild. I'm sure they have their issues too, just like any union. But for the most part, I think they're doing their job as best they can to protect the members that are a part of it. Mm -hmm. So we have some questions from Ranger Nation. We're not going to get to all of them today. They were mainly all provided by our friend Chris at Toku Chris. I am going to read one just to kind of line up this uh, discussion. I know this was a really heavy subject to talk about, but I think it needs to be talked about. I think we need to have that conversation as a fandom. And I think we should demand that the shows that we watch be better and they do a better job of uh, supporting these actors who uh, we watch on a weekly basis, so I'm gonna get to one of these questions from toad Chris, and here we go, and we'll spread these out through a few episodes. but here we go. Why would juoger be a better season to make as power Rangers instead of Q Ranger? Your answer cannot be it wouldn't
0: <laughs> i'm I'm really bummed yeah uh, you know, i i, I ho- I know we're probably not. I mean, it's it's pretty much a given that we're not going to get a Jewosier translation. Hey, they've, they've surprised us in the past. True, but, <laughs> I mean, the writing is on the wall, let's be honest. When Bandai US and Saban have input into Q-Ranger... It's pretty obvious we're gonna get Q Ranger, <laughs> yeah. But with juoger man, I I wish we were getting an adaptation because like I'm so sad. Like I'm sitting here looking at my Cube Changer, and it's just like, man, I always end up buying the changer for the season we don't get. I have my to- <laughs> my I have my Tokujer brace somewhere in my room. I've got my my o Changer here. It's like, man, yeah. And oh. I've,
1: I've got a Go brace from GoBusters. Yeah. So why would you think juoger would make a better season than q ranger for power rangers why would jew Ogier be the better choice
0: see this is hard because my honest answer is obviously i think q ranger is the right way to go but jew Ogier could be a good replacement because of the fact of young kids especially like that sort of cube design like minecraft is insanely stupidly popular still yes in that age group and a series like that with the with the cube mecha with the cube changers with the almost video game elements to it would be a pretty darn good series especially if they do that thing that they do where they take what is considered a cutesy or comedic series in Japan, and make it like more mature over here,
1: like what oh, they sure. did with
0: like, like what they did with RPM and Go Onjur. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, uh, I would love for them to, to, to try and do that.
1: Yeah, I mean it would be amazing because I think Juujur has a design aesthetic. That we never saw before in Sentai. Even the suits were different. I know at first there was a lot of blowback on the suits because they looked so crazy. People were saying, "Oh, it just looks like pajamas." You know, they got that print on the front. But mm-hmm. the more that I watched Juojo, the more I really appreciated the designs, and I oh, think yeah. Juo the world was an amazing suit to have a three-color ranger that can switch yeah. forms. That was a very unique concept. The Jewer Whale form,
0: I thought was a gorgeous suit.
1: Yeah, for I, I love
0: that. Anytime a long coat is integrated into a ranger design, Juo whale and Ryu Commander for Rocky right. Ranger, those long coats, oh, oh I love those designs so much. They look um, really cool. But yeah, that's that's probably reason number one it would make a better adaptation. Is it was just so original in terms of design. And there's a lot that you can do with the
1: concept. Like, I know that Juoger wasn't specifically video games, but there was enough elements there that they could easily make that like a video game slash Minecraft type based.
0: Adaptation. Exactly. Like, and especially with the surge of VR popularity, you could have said, these rangers fight evil in a virtual... Oh, my God, I'm selling a VR troopers. Um, <laughs> in a virtual world. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe not go that far with it. But, like, you know, you could absolutely add elements of video games into this.
1: Yeah, pretty easily. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think ju could make a better season as Power Rangers just from those aspects. I know Q-Ranger has also a very unique and wonderful design aesthetic uh, mm-hmm. with the Q-Tama. I'm going crazy with
0: those. I, I'm so glad I did not get into collecting those because it would just be impossible for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely a money
0: suck. But, uh, and you you know what's sad though is is I am gonna have to start end up collecting XAID stuff because I just talked to Tom about getting the Common Rider Chronicle gashat so yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, like I'm going into XAID pretty hard so
1: <laughs> well that was one of the questions that Chris asked of us and we'll answer more in an upcoming episode so if you do have a question for us you can always ask us at ask.fm slash ranger command ph i just want to give everyone a heads up before we sign off our next episode is going to be our extra episode i know it's kind of it's going to be in the middle of the month kind of but after that we are going to end the month with our 100th regular episode and our patreon top tier patreon supporters got a little bit of a tease with the script that Chris has prepared for (laughs) our episode 100 segment. Because when we were done recording our last episode, I hit record again as he was reading the script because I wanted to capture all of that goodness for our top tier patrons.
0: That's going to be great. That's going to be a ton of fun.
1: It's going to be a lot of editing for me, but I'm always glad to do it. I really love these skits that we've been able to do with Chris and uh, talking Toku and Toku Nation. So we have a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff going on in the month of August for Ranger Command. And we will have uh, maybe a big contest coming up and especially our 100th regular episode. Hopefully we can secure all the things that we want to secure for that. And I just want to say, again, we're going to be saying it all month, but really thank you to our listeners who have kept us going these years, these three years, going into our fourth year. So thank you so much. Ranger Nation, let us know what you think. If you have questions, you can email us at rangercommandpowerhour at gmail.com. Or check us out at rangercommand.com. We're on Twitter at rangercommandph. AskFM. Rangercommandph. We're on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook at Ranger Command Power Hour. All one word. And if you want us to talk more about some of these issues with the show as they come up in this social media drama-filled world, let us know. Hit us up on any of those channels. And we'll definitely talk about it. This was very interesting to research all of these articles about uh, the whole SAG thing. So we will have links to all of these original articles and sources in our show notes. And again, thank you so much for listening.
0: Thank you, guys.
1: We'll catch you guys next time on Ranger Command Power Hour. Woo! <laughs> it's gonna be a legend. You've been listening to the Ranger Command Power Hour, only on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You can catch a new episode every other Saturday. Find us on the Morphing Grid at www.rangercommand.com. Follow us on Twitter at rangercommandph, and like us on facebook.com slash rangercommandpowerhour. This is Trucky B47 from the Ranger Command Power Hour and you are listening to the Four-Eyed Radio Network. Ranger Command is now on Patreon. Become a patron by pledging as much or as little as you like every month and receive cool perks. By pledging, you are helping us make our show even better. Go to patreon.com slash ranger command ph to learn
0: more. Thanks.